Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Don Thornton. He's an expert in reducing people's taxes. He's written a book called uh, Legally Reduce Your Taxes to Almost Nothing, and his uh a website is financialfreedomforyou.now.site. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Don. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Just give us a little bit of your background uh, before we get into the details of how people can save on taxes. Sure. Well, I have been a real estate investor in, in Florida for 21 years. Uh, before that, I had, believe it or not, my own business in Moscow, Russia for uh, 12 eventful full full years but uh um you know i i was over there in the soviet union got married started a business and then you know by the time the 90s were almost over and putin was getting was getting on uh getting taking control i said i'm gonna, I'm gonna leave and i wanted to work for myself and real estate was the way to do it and so i learned how to, to uh, do foreclosure investing and short sales and uh, i've been doing it ever since and it's been great very good. So let's kind of start with the overall picture here. Um, do you think most people overpay on their taxes, and why do they real? Why do they not realize that they're overpaying on their taxes? Well, yes, I do think that most people overpay on their taxes, and I will, you know, give a disclaimer to start off with: is that with the strategy that I've been using in my business is not that great for W two, but anybody else, business owners. Uh, investors, um, you know, 1099 people, it can really help. But I think that I think to answer your question, I think is they don't know they don't have they don't know the proper tools that the tax code allows to be able to get significant tax reduction. And the IRS is not about to tell them, right? Oh no, <laughs> they just want to keep they want that money coming in. So the new ta law that was passed last year says the IRS is going to get whatever it is, $60 billion or something like that, and add 87,000 new agents. Yep. So uh, is, is this going to make people pay even more in taxes? What do you think is going to be the result of that uh, beefing up of the IRS? Well, they're putting a priority on getting more money, and you know, mm -hmm. I think they're going to probably see more audits, and they're going to be focusing more on I think a lot of pass-through entities and some of the strategies have been been successful for a lot of times because, frankly, there just wasn't much oversight uh, from the IRS side. But I think there's going to get more renewed attention from them, in my opinion. So people have to be more careful than ever because they could likely be audited. They'll, they'll now have the staff to do that, which in the past they have not, is what you're saying. Exactly, yes. Okay. So uh, you, you have what you call – you call yourself the infinite wealth – strategist that's your, your tv channel anyway yeah um and you have a particular kind of trust mm -hmm. um, that you recommend what, what is the name of that trust we're going to go through the details of it but what sure. is the name of it what's the origin of that trust and and how can it help you save on taxes okay so it is called a non-grantor irrevocable complex discretionary spendthrift trust it's been around for about 70 years. The author of the, the first partner and author of the trust name was Robert Benson. He studied in Harvard, taught at Harvard under what the professor is considered the godfather of, of all trust law in, in the country, uh, Austin Scott. And he specialized in, in creating these types of trusts based on the tax code that governs it. In this case, it's IRS code 643B. He moved to Texas, started a law firm there, and his entire focus was on oil, gas, and mineral rights in the southwest part of the country, obviously where all the oil was. And it's been, uh, he used it in a, in a way that allows any kind of passive income that comes into the trust to not be considered a taxable event. So obviously royalties were a big part of that in that part of the country. And decades, he and his partners served that niche. And it grew basically by word of mouth. It wasn't until he decided to copyright the trust in 2003 did he start to notice it. And I'd say over the last five years, especially the last two years, I've seen a huge increase in, in public awareness about the trust. And it's just been exploding. So for short, it's called a spendthrift trust. That's basically what people call it, right? 
they call it that because nobody wants to keep saying non-grantor irrevocable complex discretionary spendthrift trust every time they bring the name up. But yes. yes. So has the IRS tried to attack this or has Congress tried to repeal this or have there been attacks? No. no. I mean, this is the thing about this is that it has been around for 70 years, the, the, the trust itself. I mean, obviously, the, it, it was in the original tax code. It's never been changed. And, you know, an interesting story. In 2003, when uh, the law firm got the copyright, it was the very first trust that was copyrighted. Uh, about a month later, they got a knock on the door from an IRS agent saying, we'd like to see your trust. And so they, you know, obviously gave it to them. And they came back about, a, I don't know, about a couple of six weeks or so later and said, yeah, Thank you very much. You're you're in compliance. And in fact, the IRS agent that you know was involved in the in the vetting of that trust wrote him an opinion letter and went through it line by line and said, "Yeah, this is good." Um, there was an IRS uh, private finding letter in 2015. There was a dispute about a trust and some beneficiaries saying that they deserve more money. That some part of the income was declared uh, not income based on, you know, money coming into the tr uh, trust from an LLC that was the trustee labeled as an extraordinary dividend. And the IRS completely supported that and said, yes, this is absolutely 100% in accordance with IRS Code 643. And as such, because it was declared an extraordinary dividend, it is not considered. So what was the purpose of Congress writing? They're trying to expand uh, mineral uh, drilling or, I mean, what no, was the I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of conjecture about why it was set up in the first place. I mean, the attorneys said that, in their opinion, it was because they already had this trust and uh, they knew about it. It was one of their, now it wasn't in the same, exactly the same trust, but it was a similar type situation where they wanted to make sure that they, of course, due to their wealth and, and influence of the government, they wanted to set up a, a structure to where they could protect their assets and pay little to no taxes. And that's probably one of the reasons why they decided to, uh, you know, have this in accordance with, you know, have the tax code uh, to allow that to happen. I mean, it's probably not that well known, but I mean, are there hundreds of these spendthrift trusts? Are there thousands? Are there millions? I mean, how, 80, how many are out there? A, a, approximately 80,000 trusts have been sold by the law firm out of Houston. I see. So we're going to go into detail about it, but if they want, if the listeners want to follow up on this, where should they go to? And I assume you can help people set these things up. Right? Part of what I do, and, and I'd be glad to help educate them and talk to them and, and give them a free con consulting session to see what they're doing and how we could help. So uh, the uh, website that you referenced, you know, at the beginning, just put go there and uh, schedule a uh, time to talk with me. So that's financial freedom, the number four, the letter U, mm -hmm. dot now, dot site, S-I-T-E. Just so Absolutely, people. yes. Uh, mm -hmm. And you also have uh, something called free gifts uh, from Don.com as well. What, what's uh, that? Yeah, I'm having to redo that one. Uh, that one got, had a little bit of technical issue with, with GoDaddy. So right now, freedom for you, dot now, dot site is the best way to get in touch with me. Okay, very, very good. All right, so let's go through each of the, the pieces of it first. Sure. Uh, what do you call the five columns of the trust? Yeah. So explain what non-grantor means. Basically, it means that if you're going, that the trust is set up and you are not the one who creates it. Okay, so a third party creates the trust. One of the unique things about our trust is that we've set this up to where you don't have to give a third party uh, person to manage and control your trust. And the way we do it is we use a settlor where someone who officially creates a trust, his or her social security number is registered with the, with the uh, government to get the EIN number, but that person resigns and leaves and has no official uh, capacity in your trust after that. You've been named initial trustee, so now you have total control over a trust that you yourself did not create, yet you're going to be doing all your investing uh, through it. So the key thing is that you're not, you're not the one creating it, but you can manage it afterwards. Yes, exactly. Okay. And the next column is irrevocable. So what does that mean as opposed that, to irrevocable? That any asset that you sell into the trust is sold irrevocably. 
So you can't use the trust like as a holding pen, moving stuff in and out. I mean, you sell it with a bill of sale. If it's real property, then you have to eat it as well. And it's a transaction. So the trust, uh, you know, gives you a demand promissory note in exchange for the value of the assets that are sold into the trust. So it becomes trust property. Very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Don Thornton. He is an expert on reducing your taxes. Uh, you can find out more at his website, financialfreedomforyou.now.site, S-I-T-E. We'll be back after this. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the Internet. It's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Don Thornton. Uh, he is a tax-saving expert, and he's, we're talking about the Spendthrift Trust. You can find out more at his website, Financial Freedom for You, the number four, the letter U, dot now, dot site, S-I-T-E, and you can find out more about his strategies that we're talking about. Welcome back to the show, Don. Thank you. We're talking about the five columns of the Spendthrift Trust. We did non-grantor. We did irrevocable. What do you mean by complex? That's something that doesn't sound like people would want to do something that's complex. Uh, yeah, uh, I understand. So uh, most trusts are simple trusts. And the idea is that because any trust that has more than $14,451 at the end of the tax year uh, has to pay a 37% tax. So the strategy for most simple trusts is that the, the money goes down to the beneficiaries because they pay a lower tax rate than 37%. Uh, but the, a simple trust is required to distribute to the, the beneficiaries. A complex trust is not required. And that's important because this trust is allowed, I mean, the 643B, the tax return, assuming tax code 643B has a stipulation that, the, that any money that comes into the corpus of the trust cannot be required to distribute to beneficiaries. And so you can if you want, it just can't be required. Therefore, it has to be a complex trust to be in compliance with this part of the tax code. Okay, just using that word complex, it sounds like it has all kinds of legal meaning to it when you say no, that's pretty much it. I mean, that's, that's the main difference that a complex trust is not required to distribute to beneficiaries where a simple trust is. So when you have assets or income, like 1099, say it's mm -hmm. freelance income, not from a, an employer. Right. You you run all your expenses, you do your mortgage, your car and everything through this trust. So you don't need to take money out of us, what you're saying, is that correct? 
Um, in my, I've had a trust now for a while. Uh, I've, I mean, and in my experience, it pays 75 to 85% of my personal expenses and my, you know, my, my family's expenses. Uh, cause you have to remember that all, everything, all my personal assets, all of our personal assets as a family have now been sold into the trust. So the trust is obligated to pay every single expense for all of those assets. So, you know, that's, that adds up. Plus, any beneficiary, any minor beneficiaries, the trust pays for their clothing and for their food. It just can't pay for their entertainment. And then if, but that goes more beyond that. If, you, if you're an adult and you're still in some kind of educational capacity, it doesn't have to be a university by any means, then the same rules apply. You can still pay for your food and still pay for your clothing. Uh, it can't pay, it won't pay for elective surgery. It won't pay for entertainment. But in my experience, like I said, it depends on what I do. 75 to 85% of what I spend is a trust expense. Right. Okay. So, but there are certain limits on what yes. can be. Uh, so the basic things that are, you can pay for everything but entertainment. What are the, some of the other things you cannot? Well, we, we call it the four Fs. We call it food, fashion, fun, and facelift. Okay. okay. So, it's like I said. There's stipulations with the food and the cl- and the fashion, the fu- uh, the uh, um, clothing, because you know with the minors and people still having an education of some kind. But other than that, yeah, you you know if you go out to dinner, you go to a, a restaurant, you go uh, go to the grocery store. Generally speaking, that's not going to be a trust expense. If you go to Neiman Marcus, you want to buy a new wardrobe. That's not going to be a trust expense. If you go uh, to the movies, you go to a concert, that's entertainment. That's not going to be a trust expense. So you'll have to come up. What if you did that? What if you charged movie tickets? Would the whole trust be? No. no, It's it's just – so basically it's – you are required – that's considered income like a 1099 to you from the trust, if that's the case. But there's a, there's a, there's a nice little loophole here is that when you sell your assets to the trust, the trust gives you a promissory note. Uh, we call it demand promissory note and you sell the assets at a, at a cost basis. So whatever you paid for them originally, you add on any improvements you may have made and you subtract any depreciation taken in previous tax years. Whatever that number is per, for each asset, that is on the bill of sale that's sold to the trust. So the trust owes me that money. And I can, re, I can take money from that without being a taxable event because it's a return of capital. So in our case, the 15 to 25% that is not considered a trust expense, I still use my trust debit card for everything. The difference is that my accountant will move the non-trust expense from the trust expense <coughs> part of accounts and move it over to the demand note and then subtract the amount from the demand note. But either way, I'm not paying tax on it. It sounds like you've got to have a good accountant who can keep really close track of all these things to make sure it's done right. Yes. I mean, the, the CPIU, <coughs> he is a, uh, you know, Spencer Trust Specialist. It's a, it's a different kind of accounting than most CPAs and accountants are used to. But, uh, I mean, yeah, he's great. So the big like, differentiating between the, te- the trust expenses and non-trust expenses and then keeping track with, of that with a demand note, yeah, that's a different type of accounting, but, you know, it works. Uh, is this only federal taxes or how are state taxes accounted for? Uh, this trust is not required to register with any state. It's just registered with the federal government. Because that's, that's how it gets this EIN number. So our clients do not pay any uh, state taxes with this trust. The state's not must not be very happy about that. Well, it's in a tax code. What can I say? I mean, it's, <laughs> well, it's in the federal tax code. Exactly. But, uh, you know, so giving you an example, you know, I have a company, my real estate investing company has been registered with the state of Florida for 22 years. And if you go on, you know, sunbiz.org, you can find it just like that. Now, my trust is not required to do that. So if you try to look up, you know, me or my trust, you're not going to find anything about it because it's not required to be registered with any state. Hmm. Okay. All right. So the first three pillars we talked about was a non-grantor, irrevocable, and complex. The fourth pillar 
is discretionary. So what does that mean? Discretionary means that the trust has 100% power discretion in the trust to be able to do all the functions that are necessary as trustee. Uh, if, if it was not discretionary, again, that would not be in compliance with the code. So the reason why that's so important is because in the end of the year, when the trustee declares all this passive income that's coming to the trust to be an extraordinary dividend, then that means it is no longer considered income. Okay, so the, the trustee declares this on an extraordinary dividends addendum, which is included in the trust 1041 tax return is sent into the IRS every year. So he has to, he or she has to have discretionary powers to have the right to do that. Okay. Uh, and then uh, the last fifth pillar is the spendthrift trust. Why is it called the spendthrift trust? I don't know the origin of, of why it is, but this is the one pillar of the five that does not have anything to do with tax reduction. This has everything to do with asset protection. So when you sell your assets into the trust, they're protected by a spendthrift provision, which means that unless you are committing criminal or fraudulent activity with your trust, or you sold your trust, your assets in the trust, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It is uh, fraudulent, Con conveyed them fraudulently, then you, it, it's not going to be cracked in any kind of a lawsuit. And so I always use uh, O.J. Simpson as the poster boy for this as proof that the Spencer Trust is that powerful because, you know, he had he sold his assets into a trust that has a Spencer provision before the civil lawsuits were filed. And so the Goldmans, for example, they have a $33 million wrongful death judgment against uh, Mr. Simpson, and they've been trying to crack that, that trust uh, since they got the judgment, and they haven't gotten anywhere with it because it's protected by a spin-through provision. Another example I use is that this is probably one of the only effective ways to combat imminent domain lawsuits because you know you can literally force the government to pay your price or tell them to pound sand and they're not going to win an in a domain lawsuit against you if you have that asset inside your your spendthrift trust so say you have a house in a mm -hmm. place that they want to take it over to put a highway through it or something like that yeah um, you have to normally you have to accept the price they're offering this yeah, reverses or, that is that right or go to court and, and they'll, 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 you know, they're, you're not going to win against a, you know, an eminent domain lawsuit as a normal, as a, you know, a regular citizen. But with, you know, if that, as long as that, that let's say it's your house and you have 10 acres or whatever they want to put, they want to put a highway through your front yard. Well, as long as that was conveyed into your trust previously, then the government has, I mean, you have, you have the control and they cannot force you to sell your property that's in this trust with a spendthrift provision. So it's uh, protection against lawsuits. Uh, mm -hmm. That um, I mean, I guess bankruptcy would never come up. What other kind of asset protection? Well, it could. I mean, it could if you're a trustee, if you're the trustee and you file bankruptcy. I mean, they could, they could not go after anything inside the trust because it's a trust property, not yours. So those are the main asset protections. That it's, it's lawsuits. Bankruptcy yeah. and uh, seizures, things like that. Yes. Uh huh. It, so this is on a federal because there are certain states, Nevada and Wyoming, come to mind that have a lot of asset protection rules that people create their corporations in those states for that. Is is this augmenting that, or that's not necessary anymore? If you, you don't have that with this trust, I mean, there. I mean, they. If someone they have child support issues, they can crack it on child support things like that, something like that. And a lot of those are state-specific. So we do give a, uh, you know, acknowledgement that there are certain states that will, you know, and most, most of the biggest thing that comes to mind is, ask, is um, alimony and child support. But as a general rule, no one's going to no get through it unless, like I said, it's those things or fraudulent conveyance of assets or criminal or uh, fraudulent activity through the trust. Have you ever seen it happen where people break the trust for those reasons? 
Um, I asked one of the original partners. He's still he's in his 80s and he's still you know still kicking, still out there, full of spit and vinegar, and he's a uh, you know, Texan cowboy, uh, that's his, it's his persona anyway. And I asked him about that and he said, none, his experience, no. And he, he, he gave an example of there was, uh, in, they were going to put a freeway through, uh, this part of Dallas that, um, you know, that, uh, was owned by, uh, a spendthrift trust. And the, the, the owner eventually agreed, but got paid like 10 times more than what the government was offering. <laughs> because he had the leverage that he normally yeah, would not have. Exactly. Amazing. Very good. All right. We're learning a lot. Uh, my guest, we're going to take another break. Uh, my guest this hour is Don Thornton. He's telling us how to save on taxes using the Spendthrift Trust. You can find out more at his website, Financial Freedom for You, which is the number four, the letter U, dot now, dot site, S-I-T-E. Um, and we'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Don Thornton. He's an expert at helping people save on taxes. He has a website called financialfreedomforyou.now.site. And there's a book there, a free book called legally reduce your taxes to almost nothing welcome back to the show don thanks for having me i enjoy this. this spendthrift trust explain how extraordinary dividends and capital gains are handled uh, if you have your assets inside the spendthrift trust okay so i'm going to quote right from the tax code here i'll start with i'll start with capital gains and this is uh, irs code 643b and it says, gains from the sale or exchange of capital assets shall be excluded to the extent that such gains are allocated to corpus and are not paid, credited, or required to be distributed to any beneficiary during a taxable year. So what is, it means allocated to corpus means it stays inside the, cor the corpus of the trust. And remember, when I talked about a complex trust, I said that it could not be required to distribute the beneficiaries during a taxable year, and I'm just quoting from the from the uh, part of the tax code that stipulates that. So uh, if you sell stocks, if you sell real estate, yes, some kind of capital gain, as long as you keep it inside the trust, that you'll never have to pay capital gains or income on it. Exactly, and you can use that money for trust expenses and make other investments. That's why. You know, because I'm a real estate investor, I, I will never even think about doing a 1031 exchange again because it's completely unnecessary as long as you have the asset inside the trust before you sell it. Yeah. So yeah. you have a little thing in your book about tax avoidance 
versus tax evasion. Mm-hmm. It's, they sound similar, but what's the difference? One being legal and one being illegal. Tax evasion is when you choose to use an uh, illegal or not, yeah, I guess it'd be an illegal uh, method of not paying your taxes. Tax avoidance is using a legal method to do so. And so, you know, in, in fact, the IRS's own handbook uh, is very clear about that to their to their agents that avoidance of taxes or legal means is not uh, anything that uh, is against uh, the, the tax code or regulations in general. You can certainly do that. I mean, if you have a legal way to not pay taxes, IRS is okay with that. Just make sure it's legal. You think all their agents follow that? Um. I, I can only talk about the experience that we've had with the you know, with the law firm, and you know, like I said, they've had eighty thousand clients. I know one of the one of the accountants that's in our um, our network who specializes in doing trust um, trust tax returns for our clients. He's had 30, 30 plus years experience. He says that he kind of lost track how many returns he's helped his clients file, well over two ten thousand. And he said that in 30 years, 10,000 plus, personally, he's never had one issue at all with the IRS. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. They're, they're very nice people, apparently. Yes. Okay. Um, so the next thing is passive income. How is passive income, first of all, to, to define what passive income is, how is it uh, treated inside the trust? Okay. So for, the, for purposes of this trust, passive income consists of any rental income, any lease income, any investment income in general. So if you have your trust EIN number uh, tied to whatever investment you're doing, when the proceeds come, that is not a taxable event. It's considered passive income uh, for this trust. Any royalties, like we talked about previously, oil, gas, mineral rights, water rights, uh, books, Film, music, anything that's a royalty is tax is is a uh, is considered passive income for this trust. And finally, excuse me, any limited partnership profit share that is also considered passive income. So as long as that income comes from these types of sources, you're fine. Now, if you take this trust and decide you want to start selling. Uh, I say you want to act as a consultant, like I do act as a consultant and I do get paid for that, but that's active business income. That's not going to be paid through my distrust. I'll pay it through the LLC or my S Corp, but passive income all day long comes into this trust. And as trustee, I declare that an extraordinary dividend according to the code, and it is not considered income, and therefore it zeroes out on my tax return or my trust tax return. If you work for something, if, even if you're as a consultant, as a, a freelancer, you're not. Uh, an employee of a company getting a W-2, that income is considered active income as opposed to passive, correct? Absolutely. So the way you would do that is if you have an LLC, for example, then that money comes into the LLC and then you have two expenses that the trust can help you with to add you know, to your expenses on your LLC that can move a substantial purport, uh, um, percentage of your business's taxable income over to the trust, you're gonna convert it to passive income. For example, you can make the trust a 90% limited member of your LLC. So if you bring in $100,000 worth of you know, consulting fees, then 90,000 of that can go over to the trust as you tax year as a K-1 distribution, which is you know limited partnership profit sharing, so that's going to that's an expense for your LLC, which means that you're only going to pay taxes on ten thousand dollars of income as opposed to a hundred thousand. The ninety thousand that comes over to the trust as a K one uh, uh, distribution is passive income, and it will be included in the amount of money that will be declared an extraordinary dividend at the end of the tax year. By the way, what do you charge if if after the initial free consultation, people want to go ahead with this? What do you charge to set these this uh, spendthrift trust up? Well, let me take, show you how this works. Okay, so we have, have a license or a district, master distributorship with the law firm in Houston that creates the trust. Okay, so when someone invests in the trust, the law they become the law firm's client. Our according to the agreement that we have with the law firm, 
we are licensed to educate, promote, sell, and then we do all of the back end support. You know, like getting their assets in, creating the demand note, creating lease up agreements, all that stuff is done in a support capacity. Now, right. as far as cost goes, it depends on what your situation is and what you want to do. You know, a basic trust is one thing, but we have a lot of people that, you know, they have multiple partnerships and they have, um, you know, they, 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 they're licensed, for example, because the it's you're not going to get as good a tax reduction if you have just the the our basic trust if you're a medical pr uh, professional for example and you have a, your own practice or if you have insurance if those are licensed activity then we find that it's best to use a business trust and so depending on how on on what your situation is we can tell you whether it should be a business trust or a or a um, beneficial trust, but they always work, you know, regardless, you always have the, the one trust because that's where the tax savings is. So, I mean- You become a client of offer, is that what you're saying? Pardon me? Yeah, we, 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 do a custom, we do custom pricing is what I'm trying to say because it all depends on what exactly you want to do. So you become a, a client of the law firm. Exactly. And they don't pay you directly, they pay the law firm and then you get like a marketing fee from the law firm or something like yeah. that. We, we're compensated you know, eventually by the law firm, so. But the law firm, the fees for the law firm are far less than the taxes you would pay otherwise, so it, it's still oh, worth I broke even on my first year, easy, uh, on what on what I paid. So, yes, I mean, it's, it's, for me, it's the gift that keeps on giving because I know that every single year, I, I'm, you know, my tax is going to be minimal, if, if at all. And it's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. Now, the next thing is that there are no 1031 exchange. 1031 exchange is when you're selling a piece of real estate or asset, you have to reinvest it in a so-called like-kind exchange within a certain period of time. That does not exist in the spendthrift trust. What is the advantage of that? Well, 1031 exchanges, especially recently in this market, have been, they're very, very troublesome. Think about in a hot market, you've got to identify a like property, a similar property in 40, and get under contract in 45 days. Okay, that, that's hard to do. <laughs> uh, second of all, you know, even if you find something, it may not be exactly what you, what you need to match up as far as you know, your taxable income from the sale. Therefore, you have to pay what they call the boot, which is you know, whatever is not covered, then you're, you're paying capital gains on that. And then a lot of a lot of them, you know, I'd say probably. I, I mean, this is anecdotal evidence. I don't have an exact statistic, but I talked to a couple of attorneys that specialize in doing 10, 1031 exchanges, and they say forty to fifty percent of them just don't work. And so the the uh, seller ends up having to pay capital gains on the um, on the transaction. With the trust, you know, you you don't even need that because as long as you, if you have an investment property, say you're selling an Airbnb. And at, as long as the trust owns it and sells it and the money comes back into the trust, like the, like the uh, statute says, you know, um, cat, you know, gains in the sale or exchange of capital assets shall be excluded. So, so there's no need for a 1031 exchange, you're saying? There's no need anymore. No, there's no need to go to Puerto Rico to, to, to pay a lower tax rate. There's no, no reason to, to put your money into a uh, opportunity zone and freeze it for 10 years or you know, put it in a Delaware statutory trust and make payments over time or you know, distressed, distressed uh, uh, sales trust where you've got a third party that's controlling your money. That's all unnecessary because fundamentally this trust is the only strategy out there that eliminates capital gains and allows you immediate access to the money. No. Now you say that you also can get lower liability insurance rates because you can't be sued because the trust is protecting your assets. Tell us about well, that. Well, from my in my experience, I used to have a five million dollar policy uh, with my real estate investing company, and you know my nightmare was okay. So I've got a hundred different rehabs going at any different time. What if somebody falls off a ladder? What if someone slips and falls in front of my house? Things like that. So the only way that I knew to somewhat mitigate the, the potential lawsuit or at least the damage that could come to me and my company in a, in a lawsuit would be to have a lot of liability insurance. 
Well, now, if so, I say, say I'm rehabbing a house. It's inside the trust. The trust is a spendthrift provision. So if something you know uh, happened, untoward or, or a tragedy happens or whatever, they can't go after me as trustee. They can't go after the trust. They can't crack it. So all they can do is go after the liability insurance. Well, because I have that added protection, I don't need to carry as much. So I think now I have like a $500,000 policy. So that just gives an illustration of you don't need as much insurance because the trust is practically uh, lawsuit proof. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Don Thornton. He's showing us how to save uh, huge amounts of money on taxes using a spendthrift trust. You can find out more at his website, Financial Freedom for You, the number four, the letter U, dot now, dot site, S-I-T-E. And you can get a free copy of his book, which is called Legally Reduce Your Taxes to Almost Nothing. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Don Thornton. He's an expert on helping you cut your taxes. He has a website, financialfreedomforyou.now.site, at which you can get a free copy of his book, which is called Legally Reduce Your Taxes to Almost Nothing. Welcome back to the show, Don. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. So let's talk to you about who the main parties to the trust are. The first one is the creator, is what you call a settler. Tell mm -hmm. us who that would be. All right. In my case, it was, a, it was a realtor that I worked with extensively in my short sales, and I just asked he would mind acting as a settler as I was getting this trust. You know, he asked me, what do I need to do? I said, all you need to do is just basically uh, sign three papers and um, have use your, uh, we can use your social for the, to get the EIN number. And he said, sure. And I showed him exactly the papers that had to be signed and that you know he had no liability or any, any risk at all in doing this. So he said, sure. So you know, we, we got the trust. And then you know, he signed the papers, got everything notarized, and then he's gone. So he... Uh -huh. He did his job and, you know, he moved on. So that's the first uh, party is the uh, settler, as you call them. The second yeah. party is the trustee. So who would the trustee be? Uh, so I'm the initial trustee. I'm still the trustee, but I'm listed on the certification of trust. The very first document we get when the trust is actually created states that, you know, my guy, Bob, was, this, was the creator of the trust. And then the initial trustee was named to be me. Okay, so then, and then the same thing with the EIN number. It has the settlor and it has the, the trustees, um, the tr initial trustee on there. And so uh, I have total control of the trust and, you know, I make all the decisions about it. I control all my assets and the income that flows into it, but I have no ownership of it officially in my name. So how about inheriting this? What, what happens when you go? Does this automatically go to the kids? Are they contingent beneficiaries or how does that work no um so my the way my trust is set up is that i have my wife my two adult children and my grandson are my beneficiaries i have named 
my wife as successor trustee. So if I get incapacitated or when I pass on, then she takes over as a trustee. If for some reason we go together, which we hope that doesn't happen, but if we do, then we've, we've uh, named my daughter to be the successor trustee in that contingency. So we have every intention, intention for this trust to continue for multi-generations. All that has to be done is that it has to be renewed 21, every 21 years. And that itself is not an onerous process whatsoever. Just the, in, in a trust book, you have you know, the, the um, form that you just get signed and notarized, and then it just keeps going for another 21 years. That's a form with the IRS renewing it for 21 years, you're saying? No, it's just it's a form with, in your site, your trust. All, to be in compliance, it just has to be a notarized uh, form signed, or signed and notarized by the trust, existing trustee at the time and kept inside the trust book. Mm -hmm. And so the, the third player is the beneficiary. So who is the beneficiary different from the trustee? Well, the, the trustee, in this trust, the, trust the, the beneficiaries really have no power. Now, the trustee manages a trust and pays for their expenses, but they, they cannot, they never have any control of the trust. So, you know, what happened, the, the biggest thing to remember about how this works is that the, tr the beneficiaries are never paid directly for anything, but the trustee pays for them, right? So, for example, my son is in the university. So the trust does not give him money to go pay tuition. The trust pays the tuition. Yes. The trust doesn't pay him, pay him money to go buy a car. The trust pays, I mean, buys the car as beneficiary. He's allowed to use it. And the trust pays for all the expenses having to do with the, uh, the asset, in this case, the so car. The car. The car is an asset of the trust. It's not owned yes, exactly. by your son. Right. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. One of the other advantages of this is anonymity. Uh, so explain how that works and, and why is that such a good idea? Well, like I said in previous, previously in our conversation, anybody that knows the name of my company can go on sunbiz.org and look me up and everything's there. Nobody knows anything about my trust. And from a real estate point of view, when I buy a property or, it's in, or I deed it over to the trust, then, you know, it doesn't have any, I mean, I have a very nondescript name for my trust for a reason. I don't want anyone, if he sees a name of it, say, okay, okay, I know exactly who they're talking about here. They would have no idea who I am. You know, the, 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 if they look it up in the property appraiser, it's owned by something trust, and that's it. So they can't, you know, whereas before, if they, you know, it, it was on my, my, in my company name or me personally, they find me just like that. But you do have to pay property taxes. I mean, you do have to be registered yeah. with the, yeah. the local village or something, right? Well, we, yeah, it does pay property taxes, absolutely. But and and listen, if you don't pay your property tax, they can they can force an auction. So it's not a get out of jail free from 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 that point of view. But uh, it it does. I'm not going to say it gives you total anonymity, but it definitely gives you more anonymity than you would have if it was owned in your name or in in a company name. Yeah. What is the process like of selling your personal assets into the trust? Is that a complex process? No, it's actually very easy, and, and we help our clients with that. So everything is done with a bill of sale. And so when we help you put it together, but you put a list of all your assets, and you go through the formula I talked about earlier about um, you know what you paid for it, whatever improvements were made minus any depreciation taken in previous tax years, whatever that number is, that goes on the bill of sale. So if you had 10 assets that go into the trust, you just add up the, the value for each asset, and then you put that down at the bottom of the, of the bill of sale, and then we prepare a promissory, demand promissory note for you, the trust is gonna owe you, and that's literally what you do. The only difference is that if, it, if it's real property, then you have to have a deed to accompany it. Other than that, that's it. That's how, that's how you do it. So we've been talking the whole time here about the spendthrift trust. There's also something called the beneficial trust, which is different well, you, your business. Is that correct? Or is that a no, it's, it's the same. It's just anonymous. We, 
we don't like to say spendthrift trust is beneficial trust is easier. So that's that's our inner jargon in our company and, our, and, and with the law firm. But um, it's the same. It's the same non-grantor, irrevocable, complex, discretionary spendthrift trust. And you sell your business assets into that. It's yes, the same sir. thing, basically. It's the same. Yeah, the, 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 that trust is the recipient where you house all of your or host all of your uh, assets, business and personal. Yeah. In the time we have left, why don't you kind of summarize the difference it will make in people's lives if they do the spendthrift trust that we've been discussing in some detail? The biggest – well, for me, the biggest advantage – is the fact that now my business is much more profitable because a huge chunk is not going for taxes. And so that allows me extra money to invest. So I have three more income streams, three more projects that I'm finding mostly through the tax savings I've had, which I wouldn't have had otherwise. Number one, that's a huge, huge thing. And, and listen, don't kid yourself. When when uh, COVID hit and they did that foreclosure moratorium, that was really difficult for my business. And 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 who knows? Maybe for the first year until I adapted, maybe my business would have gone under if I didn't have if I if I was paying a lot in taxes. So that was a that was a very important part of it. And then also I had the peace of mind knowing that everything my wife and I had worked for in 24 years of our marriage. Is not is not going to the government's not going to touch it, and I, we know that you know unless something happens you know World War Three or whatever is that our grandson and our grandchildren, future grandchildren, are going to be able to enjoy what we've worked so hard to to create and accumulate. So that's what I love about it. That make a major difference in people's lives financially and peace of mind wise. I guess you might say. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, very good. All right, well, this has been really fascinating. I think this will be of great interest to a lot of people. My guest this hour has been Don Thornton. Uh, he, he's written a book called uh, Legally Reduce Your Taxes to Almost Nothing. You can find a, a free copy of that at his website, Financial Freedom for You, the number four, the letter U, dot now, dot site, S-I-T-E, and find out more about the Spendthrift Trust we just talked about in some detail. But uh, thank you very much, Don. I think people have learned a lot during the last hour. I, I, I'm glad to be of help, and I, I love to educate people about this because it's amazing. Very good. Well, thanks so much. Uh, we'll, uh, you can go to his website and find out more, and we'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.